Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. Welcome to this episode, this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And this week we'll be talking about Season 7, Episode 9, Major Ego, and Season 7, Episode 10, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Would Worth... you like to guess who Major Ego is going to be about? <laughs> Margaret. Wrong! <laughs> and that's basically what this episode is about, is... The ego of Charles Emerson Winchester. Really? Um, How so? Uh, a reporter comes from Stars and Stripes to do a story because, well, we'll talk about why a little bit later. So, well, we'll just say it why. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, a patient there. was dying. He brought him back to life. It was really cool. Um, but it's something they do regularly. I so I guess say, I didn't really see why it was such a big deal. It's the first time we've seen Charles do it? I don't know, but I've seen them all do it, I think, at mm -hmm. one point in time. Yeah. Well, you know, I think of Hawkeye sitting on top of that patient with the heart or going right in and doing a heart massage, which yeah. had never done done before. <laughs> the general's um, practitioner. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I guess I just don't didn't get why they called what, But he called Stars and Stripes to yes. brag about himself. Yes. Um, so he thought that the article if it was seen by the right people, would get him out of the MASH unit and mm -hmm. back to private practice and or... A, a better post in Tokyo. A, a, right. Yes. So that was his his way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Also, Klinger, I, I mm -hmm. don't know why, um, was delivering the mail and things. Like, was there no radar? I think there was that, no radar in this episode. There was no radar in this episode. There was so, no so that's why Klinger was delivering that's the mail. Why, yeah, maybe he was an R&R. &R, I don't know. Yeah. But I think he's starting to be a little bit less. Yeah, well, I, it, by this point in the series, I believe Gary Berghoff had negotiated himself down to halftime on the show. Okay. So this would have been one of those halves I didn't know that he, he wasn't at. Time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Um, let's see. Also, what else about Klinger? He was trying to get in with the reporter, too, by oh, doing yes. what? By dressing in all my favorite time <laughs> characters. He did the 1939 Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. He did Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. And he did <laughs> Betty Davis. So, um, and he actually got his wish because <laughs> at the end, Charles didn't save another patient. So he couldn't let himself, his ego is so big that he can't even let himself take credit for something. So the article, he well, just ripped up. Yeah, it, it was proof of his failure that this patient had to be saved by Hawkeye, so he wasn't going to let that... So he, he couldn't let the article go out the way it was because mm. it was really upping mm. him. And, it was a lie and he wouldn't, in his mind. Then. Right, yeah. so in his mind. So he does have character. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I love... Hawkeye's line at the end, he said, you're pompous and arrogant and conceited and more, but you're all right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you're you are pompous and arrogant because he is good at what he does. He is. No, Charles you know? is very good. 
problem is that he knows, knows it that and done. lets it go to his And was told his whole life, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, he was that spoiled little boy that went to the special schools and was treated mm-hmm. very well, lots of money, and was yeah. always told how perfect he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You become that then, yeah. like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I like what happened to Margaret during the show. <laughs> um, Margaret... Um, at the same time, so like the second story was Margaret was getting bamboozled, I think, by Donald, Donald yeah. who they're going through a divorce right now, and he's taking everything. Mm-hmm. And Colonel Potter even came in and said, Margaret, you know, let me lend you some money. And she said, it's not the money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of things. It's well, what he's doing to me. It's what he's... And, mm-hmm. you know, she thought she found love. She thought, you know... Well, they were building a future. I mean, literally, you know, she was, as we learned in the uh, Merchant of Korea episode, I think it was that one. Yeah, Merchant of Korea That's episode. cool how you memorize every name. I'm, <laughs> I'm so impressed. I, I don't know where they are in the season yet. I'm not quite that good. But Merchant of Korea, where they are exchanging script. Or no, where they're, they're, um, their pay gets sent to a bakery unit in Guam. Okay. And... Um, they have to borrow money, that sort of thing. But Margaret... Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, Margaret tries to... Get some money from... From Donald, because she sends all of it to him, and then he sends some back. And that way they're building up this nest egg. Well, that's what he's holding on to. He has it this in limbo. Egg, right. And her lawyer says that there's nothing that can be done. Because it's legally... I, I'm assuming it's legally in his name. Because this was well, in the I'm 50s, sure, yeah, and... He, <laughs> right, it was... Yeah. Um... So, but, it, it sucks, but that's what a lot of divorces are, is they're sucky and they're horrible. And, right. And, and ugly, and that's and what this was. not too many people end up happy. No. No. Uh, the Stars and Stripes yeah. reporter, though, I'd like to just point out, was uh, Captain Tom Greenlee. And um, he was actually there to do his story on Winchester, but the second he saw Margaret, his eyes popped. Yeah, it he, was... It wasn't, he didn't know she was divorced. He has no idea her story. He just looked at her and, and kind of fell for her. You know, yeah, it, he fell into lust instantly. And it was great because she walks Is out it lust, pr- though? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was lust. I don't, I, I don't know because he would have continued this relationship. I, well, I think like a I, lot of times. I think when times, he looked at her, he just really liked her. Yeah, but I think you fall in lust first, and then that and then turns the lo- into love. It turns into love. Yes, yes. I understand that. Yes. Because, yeah, he, as Margaret stormed out, he just looked out of the doors of Colonel Potter's office. And Colonel Potter from the back of him goes, Yoo-hoo! Hello! Captain, you want to put your eyes back in? <laughs> Captain Greeley! <laughs> oh, sorry, sir. Because he was just... But to tell the truth, Margaret will never, ever fall for a captain or anything below a... She uh, fell for a sergeant. But not permanently. No, but that's because he turned out to be a jerk. Well, I know, but... It it wasn't because she didn't love him. I think it was the manly man of that gentleman that did it, and... And but, but anyway, that was that, definitely lust. That, yeah. that That's a different thing. Let's not get into it because yes. I know you have to get out of here tonight. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, they have a, they have a um, meeting 
in her <laughs> tent. <laughs> well, she was drinking in the bar and actually kind of hitting on... Oh, she on, was not well, kind of. She okay, definitely she was. She was hitting on Honeycutt. And I love her line when she yeah. said, Oh, can I continue? Wait, can I conclude in you? Or, or Oh, sorry, confide. Can't read my writing. Can I confide in you, honey? Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of his name split up like yeah. that, but it was really cute. Can yeah. I confide in you, honey? Cut. Cut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah. And but... he said, all I can offer you is a drink. And that's when Tom Greenlee came in mm -hmm. and yeah. could yeah. offer a little bit more than a drink. Yeah, and it was great how that happened because he's like, how you doing? And she just looks at him. Do you always talk in openers? What do you mean? How you doing? Isn't the weather? I can't remember all of this. All of them, but they were all open li like one-liners. Mm -hmm. So. Well, you tell me. How do I tell this woman that she oh, is amazing and attractive, and I want to get to know her more than anything right now? How do I do that? That was the best opening line <laughs> ever. And then she just looks <laughs> at him. Can I buy you a drink? Not here, in my tent. My tent. Give me five minutes. And to you have to know how crabby she was. I mean, she up. screamed at Colonel Potter and everything yeah. before this. But the next morning when she woke up, <laughs> she was a new Margaret. She had a bounce in her step. And and she did confide that it's been four months <laughs> yeah, since she, she was freshened up. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Chewing on those fingernails. <laughs> yeah, she's telling this to BJ. And then, you know, Tom comes in. And that's the setup. And, uh, you know, BJ's like, go easy on her. She's going through a divorce. And Tom said, I, easy, don't worry. I'm an officer and a gentleman. Whatever this is, I'll take two, take to, two go. to go. Has it been five minutes? That's okay. I'll walk slow. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, yeah, yeah you know, I, I do think that it, well, it was, was more than. Uh, yeah. When she was confiding in Honeycutt, she was saying, I just miss the touch. I miss, mm -hmm. you know, we all need, we all need and long for mm -hmm. someone to hold us. And, yeah. And, and yeah, she was describing, I just like being held and having my hair stroked. And, and yeah, then Tom came in and <laughs> perfectly willing to stroke hair. Yeah. And <laughs> whatever and, else, huh. whatever else came out of it. But yeah, um, it was really interesting to me the next day because it, it felt a lot like um, the episode where Hawkeye was convinced that he was going to marry this new lieutenant with the wedding band. I don't remember the oh, episode name. Oh, but, but I remember it's Joan Van Ark. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, where he, he was convinced she was the one and, you know, she told him, no, I just, I'm not interested in that. So it was just... She was just interested in a little intimacy, and that was it. And the same thing with Margaret, who normally isn't... Well, she is, but she's been changing lately. And Tom is all, let's make this last. Let's, let's, I know yeah, this place in together. Tokyo. Right, let's... Shang... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah la-di-da. <laughs> and and you she know. said right to him. She was perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. This isn't what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. But thank you, you gave me what I needed. Which, by the way... I thought was a very empowering moment for Margaret. Oh yes. To, to just. By the way, that's Ryan, at the door. <laughs> if you can hear that thump thump thump, um, it, it was. 
we, we know that Margaret has... Needs. <laughs> yes. That a lot of men fill. But to have this moment where it's like, okay, that's all I needed. I just needed a little booster. And throughout life, people always say women have no needs. It's men that have needs and women provide no. the needs. No, women have needs too. And you know, and but in the 50s, they weren't allowed to have needs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I yes. Mean, and... Yes, exactly. And you know, and to see Margaret express that how she how she had needs and this was it. You know, right. that just it, it was I think very empowering to the character of Margaret. It was also very like a 60s and 70s attitude. Yes. 70s attitude to me, <laughs> which makes sense considering when this was filmed, so. but still, I thought it was refreshing because I I can see the character Margaret having that. And I love the post yeah. the post scene right before the what do you call it post commercial because yeah. she was talking to Winchester who I, now okay before we do that okay let, let's digress a little bit okay because now remember this is uh Charles was showing off for this reporter and he was no no when when uh all these wounded were coming in Fill he's like here. oh captain no no not this one it's not serious enough not this one this one this one is serious enough when he's doing triage mm -hmm. and he gets a picture and then he's doing this operation and then there's an aneurysm that comes in and uh potter says let winchester take it even though hawkeye is available yeah. that said hawkeye was chief surgeon so he probably could have ordered winchester away but you know winchester's first episode he did an aneurysm so he that, knows what he's doing that is his specialty or at least it has been here so Winchester does it, and um, that's that's the story that and then Green, while, Greenlee while really uses. Winchester was talking to Greenlee and bragging mm -hmm. himself up, In Hawkeye did. Hawkeye called him back and said, we need to consult on this patient. There's a lot yeah. of blood in this tube. And he's like, yeah. nope, I did everything perfect. Yeah, so Hawkeye keeps an eye on this guy. And finally, later that night, Hawkeye is still tending to this patient and tells the nurse, I'm going to scrub up, get him prepared, and then get Winchester. Winchester comes into the OR, Hawkeye's in this kid's chest again, and he finds the bleeder, and Winchester sees it and realizes that I he, screwed up. he yeah. did. Okay, so then we go to the next day in the swamp. Yeah, Greenlee okay. has, um, uh, I'm just trying to go quick, because yeah. I know you got to get out. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Normally I would, yeah. I would... Just go for it. But, uh, so the next day... Greenlee's in the swamp. He has the article. He's saying all the stuff he has in the article, you know, and Charles just stops him. No, it's not true. Pierce had to save him. This would be a lie. And he grabs the article and tears it up. And it was a perfectly written article about him being wonderful. So it yes. probably would have worked for his purpose. Yes. And that's when Klinger gets his little photo spread in Stars yeah. and Stripes, I guess. Okay, so post-commercial scene. We have... Winchester and we have Margaret both having these interactions with Greenlee. Go. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. It was so interesting what you were all saying. Well, so, so he was saying how Greenlee really did serve a purpose and helped him realize who he was and and I hope that he helped you the same way. Uh, it, it was it was more. They, they were talking about I didn't really like his style. I didn't either, <laughs> but Margaret meant it. Meant it. Yeah, and then yeah, finally Charles. Uh, they keep going back and forth and agreeing about Greenlee, and then Charles just looks at her and goes, "Margaret, are we talking about the same thing?" 
<laughs> definitely not. <laughs> in, in this sort of far off, like, very feminine, very, I don't know how to describe it quite, almost a romantic pose. Definitely not. Oh, I'm sure not. <laughs> so. Oh, it was so much fun. It was. Because it was fun to see Margaret get her own something for herself. Mm-hmm that gave that bounce back in her step that she yes. really needed because divorce is hard as yeah. you said I, it's just hard yeah i don't I've, care who you I've are what you get what you know mm -hmm. it's hard yeah uh the only other thing i think worth mentioning here that we didn't uh <laughs> before margaret uh or after margaret talks to greenlee but before she's in the mess tent with charles Okay. She encounters Colonel Potter, and Colonel oh, yeah. Potter sees that bounce in her step. And after <laughs> just a, a, a little uh, back and forth, he says to her, whatever you did, last night, keep doing it. And she just, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> and then he stops and looks back at her and just keeps walking. <laughs> like, so, like, he suddenly realized what she did <laughs> to get the bounce back in her step. Um... So yeah, the guest stars recurring cast in this episode, we had Greg Mullavy as Captain Tom Greenlee. It's really interesting how they spell this. Green and then lay, like slay. L-E-I-G-H. Oh. oh. Yeah, I didn't spell it that I way. I didn't either. Yeah. David I Dean. I just the L-Y thing. Yeah. David Dean as Private Sutton. I believe that would One have been. Patients. Yeah. Winchester's patient that was awake in post-op. Patricia Stevens as the duty nurse, uh, Phyllis Katz as the triage nurse, Frank Pettinger as the anesthetist. We haven't seen an anesthetist since no, probably Ugly, Ugly John. John, yeah. But Margaret did take over for him, so she that's did. how he got a line. Mm -hmm. Roy Goldman as a corpsman, and then uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Jennifer Davis, and Laurie Bates. The uh, production code for this was T412. Keep this in mind for the next yeah, episode. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. I was going to see what, what <laughs> because, the numbers for the next no, episode. Yeah, because this is a warm uh, uh, temperature episode, right. and the next one is the absolute dead of winter. Must be Wisconsin. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> sixty degrees to day to day. out today, and in two days we're supposed to get one to four inches of snow. <sighs> The production... You oh, the, are lying, right? No. The writer was Larry Balmagia. The director was Alan Alda. Oh. And the original air date was November 6, 1978. Okay. So, production code on this one was T412. The next episode, episode 10, Baby It's Cold Outside, the production code was T403. I bet that was close to the other winter episode. Mm -hmm. I think this goes back to... Um, where the writers will mess with the actors if they get too uh, picky about their lines. Because uh, if, you, if you watch, the only smoke you saw, even though it was like minus 20 degrees out, supposedly, the only smoke you saw was fires. Right. Their breath was not condensing, which means it had to be above like 45, 50 degrees. So they're it out there. as cold as yeah. we thought. There was liquid water on the ground. Mm -hmm. It was probably a lot warmer. And here they are. In parkas. And yeah, <laughs> Charles was in a polar suit, so that had to be great. And he had to do that without perspirating. Yes. Good for him. Yes. Okay, right. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Basic premise, it's, it's the 
Sorry. <laughs> it's the dead of winter. And uh, uh, it, it's so cold that nobody's warm except for Charles because he refuses to be cold. Um, <laughs> and he refuses to huddle. Yes, okay, a, a bunch of uh, wounded come in. They all have frostbite to some degree. They're in post-op. They need to be kept warm. So while they're in the OR, Radar has to go and steal uh, heaters from the different tents, including the swamp. So he does that. A bunch of people end up in the mess tent because of that. Uh, at that point, we see Klinger outside. And it's so cold that the ground is contracting, which... If you live in a cold climate, you know it, that That's happens. A lot. And the mines in the minefield behind the 477th go off and uh, affect Clinger's hearing to the point where he goes temporarily deaf. One of the kids who came in in the original batch of wounded had frostbite so bad uh, that his temperature wasn't registering on a thermometer. So he was really cold. And they couldn't warm him up. We, but it also saved his life. It also saved his life, because otherwise he would have bled out. Um, as it turns out, they end up submerging him in a coffin full of warm water to warm him up. Klinger gains his hearing back. And kind of the B-plot is this polar suit that uh, Charles gets. He ends up giving the gloves, the fur-lined gloves, to Margaret to try and help out. and. Uh, but that's when he thought that his tent had a heater. Yes, once he figured out that it didn't and his hands were freezing, he spends the rest of the episode trying to con, cheat, or buy the gloves back from Margaret. Uh, at the end of the episode, we see them eating soup in the mess tent. Father McKay, he blesses it with what I think is a really great blessing. He, you know, Thank you for this, and Lord, with regards to what I what, what we discussed yesterday, it's still a bit nippy down here. <laughs> and Charles brings two bowls of soup over to Margaret. Margaret can't eat it with the gloves on, so she takes the gloves off, sets them down, picks up the bowl of soup. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. And he, the gloves were gone. Yes. So that's that's the episode in a nutshell. Um. Very cold. The The operative thing about this is it's very cold. And to me, the most memorable part of this episode, honestly, is the polar suit. Oh, I thought you were going to say when BJ walked in the mess tent and saying, Baby, it's cold outside. No, right. Yeah, but, just said it. Yeah. He said it! <laughs> he said it! Yay! The name no, of the title. No, but it, it was that. Oh, and also... The guy the, in the coffin. The guy in the coffin. Yeah, because Radar and Father Mulcahy go to the supply tent to get the coffin. And there's a whole really cool bit about this. And the first thing is, Father Mulcahy's walking amidst the racks of supplies. And he goes, snow boots? Radar, why weren't these handed out? Radar takes a box off the shelf, opens it up, takes a shoe out, and says they're not exactly regulation. They were red pumps. And some had straps. Yeah, not high uh -huh. heel, like a, like a mid-heel. <laughs> 60 pairs, yeah, 60 pairs like that. And so they did Some have straps. Some have straps. So 
that's what they ordered were boots, but all they got that he thought yeah. were the red strap, yeah, strappy high heels. Or... So then they find the coffin. That's which, full of something. Yeah, <laughs> and radar is creepy. Yeah, because they try and lift it and they can't. It's really heavy, and radar starts throwing a fit. Because I don't, I know who's in there. I mean, I don't know who's in there, but, but I know what. <laughs> Follow. Okay, he opens it up. Radar, and he picks out a boot. Radar's, rea boots. radar's reaction. Oh, father, put it back on him. <laughs> <laughs> so they get the boots. I assume they hand it out to everybody. And yeah, take the coffin to submerge the guy in. And it works. Which, oh, okay, remember last episode, Charles got all these accolades for bringing a guy back to life. What happens when they put the guy in the coffin? He becomes back to life. Well, actually, he died. Yeah. Yeah. He... And then they took him off. Everyone worked on him. Like, mm -hmm. everyone had a say in it. There was, you know, BJ was saying things, mm -hmm. and Colonel Potter was saying things. Actually, Colonel Potter at first said they can't submerge him yeah. because putting him underwater would cause infection to the silk that they mm -hmm. um, sewed him up with and things. But And got... cause shock. And cause shock. Which could kill him. Right. Which, <laughs> at it came to the point of he's going to die anyway or we submerge him. Mm -hmm. So that's why they ended up doing it, and it worked this yeah. time. So they it, brought someone back to life after he, I think, almost died a couple times, actually, because his temperature mm -hmm. was so low. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's that's So they, that's what they do every day. Yeah, so, I again, it's like Charles is really just trying to inflate his ego in the last episode. I love the part where... Um, Colonel Potter has been looking forward to Sonia Henning and her uh, ice skating movie. They got movies, and and he was waiting and waiting, and they finally got to the good part where it was going to show her inner thighs. He said that she had the most beautiful inner thighs. And that's when they, Radar came to get him, and they needed to submerge the patient. So mm -hmm. he missed her thighs. Yeah. Um, great part of the movie. Um Going to submerge him. Yeah, I was just. Uh... And at the end, Klinger, as they were working on the patient and things, he was laying down, lying down, and um, all of a sudden he yells, "How's the guy supposed to sleep around here? Everyone, <laughs> try to be quiet." Yeah. Which so meant he had his hearing back. Which is unfortunate because not being able to hear is an automatic discharge from the army because you can't follow orders if you can't hear them. And Colonel Potter did tell him that when he couldn't hear, but he didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yes. And it, you know, um, now I can't think of his name. Jamie Farr did, Clear. in my opinion, a really good job of playing deaf. Yeah, he did. They banged stuff behind him. He didn't flinch. No, you know, he, I, I don't know what it's like to be deaf. And I, but I think he did a really good job to to play this. It was very believably done, you know? Um, anything else about this episode in particular? I mean, I went really quick, but I hit all my high points. Yeah, mine too. I'm just looking. Winchester stole his gloves back. You did that. <laughs> cold outside. Yeah, everything. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, so it yeah. made me cold, though. <laughs> I didn't even bring a coat because it's like in the 60s yeah. here. And... No. November 14th in Wisconsin. 60s. 60s. It's amazing. I, I put up Christmas lights in Black. shorts the other weekend. This is not normal. 
But hey, we're taking it. Yeah. Global warming is helping Wisconsin, but I nowhere guess. else. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a, a few things. Uh, some fun facts, and I like these. Now, when Klinger, when Potter tells Klinger to, or not Klinger, my goodness, it's still Radar. Radar's in this episode. <laughs> he hasn't left the Ford Opal 7th yet. When Potter tells Radar to get the stoves for post-op, Radar mentions... The last time I did that, they hid my glasses in the meatloaf. Oh, yeah. And then BJ. Yeah. Then we go, after that OR session, into the swamp, and here are Hawkeye and BJ huddling in their cold tent because there's no heater. And BJ uh, says something about that creep the next time I'm hiding his glasses in the latrine, <laughs> to which Hawkeye replies with him in them. <laughs> so they is those two. Uh, there's authentic footage of the finale of Sun Valley Serenade shown in the movie tent. This footage, the mention of Nanook of the North, the Heatwave song, the Mash Crew sings in the mess tent, as well as the song I Hear Music sung by Klinger, are all appropriate to the era. However, there are two things that are uh, anachronistic. One is the triple axle oh, yes. that Colonel Potter talks about. Uh, according to this, that was not uh, successfully landed until 1988 oh when Midori Ito of Japan became the first women, woman to land a triple axle in the skating competition. Also, 88? 88. Oh my gosh. Also, they use an ambu bag. So ambulatory or ambu, right? But it, it's just a bag that you squeeze and right. blows air in, right? Well, again, according to what I have here, uh, the Ambu bag, a self-inflating manual resuscitator, was invented in 1953 and first marketed in 1955. Ah. There, was, there were manual resuscitating devices during the Korean War, but nothing as compact as the one Hawkeye and BJ used, which was clearly from a later time. So, two little anachronisms. Whoops. But, compared to... Well, the... Okay, the Ambu bag isn't too bad. The triple axle is a little bad. Yeah, <laughs> since it wasn't that, even invented yet in their time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and let's see here. Um, so, that doesn't even make sense. Had not be done in the 1950s and was rare even in the 1970s. In fact, it was only... So, yeah. That, that was pretty bad. I mean, that that's worse bad. That's worse than the Avengers comics that Radar was reading from <laughs> yes. the 70s. That's, that's explainable, at least. But this didn't even happen yet yeah. until the 80s. And so that's is, bad. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, guest stars recurring cast. We had Jen Jordan as Nurse Baker, Terry Willis as a driver, uh, Tech Murdoch as the patient, David Kramer as another patient, Joanne Thompson as Nurse Joanne. This was an unaccredited appearance, as with Gwen Farrell. The production code, as we said, was T403. The writer was Larry Balmaggia. The director was Alan Alda. Huh? Wow, he's, he's starting to direct a little bit more. Well, you're going to start hearing Alan Alda's name a lot more in terms of writing and directing. Writing and directing. He right. does a lot more in the later the latter part of the season the original usually you can tell when he writes them because yeah. they're a little bit deeper than the average yeah and they're very hawkeye centric usually right. original air date was november 13th 1978 all right so it was a quick episode um thank you for uh uh 
dealing with the fact that it's a day late. <laughs> we, and a dollar it, short. It, it was a very <laughs> odd weekend for all of us uh, in the family. But uh, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would encourage you to look at our back episodes. They are available either on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Whiskey and Mash. I'd like to point out that he doesn't have this written down. This is in his head. Keep going. <laughs> that amazes me every week. I'm like so impressed. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Whiskey and Mash. Otherwise, if you don't do the podcast thing, you can find us over at our website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast portion of the page, the Whiskey and Mash page, and then all of our back MP, all of our back episodes are available there as MP3s. You can stream them right off the web page or download them to your uh, MP3 playing device. They're available there for free. You just need to download them. And um, also on that page are links to our Facebook, or you can just go to facebook.com slash Whiskey and Mash, all one word, or... Uh, also on that page is a link to our email, whiskeyandmash at narclaninc.com, where you can email us and uh, get in touch with us directly at Give the podcast. Give us thoughts, suggestions. Yeah. We love would, to hear from you. We would just like to know that you're out there. Uh, if you really liked this podcast or just moderately liked this podcast and would still like to support it, the best way to support it is to share with a friend or family member somebody you think would enjoy listening to us for about a half hour 45 minutes just babble on about episodes of mash <laughs> um i enjoy it i know i love it and that's why we watch these and share it with you and we hope that you enjoy mash and we would love to hear whether you do or not whether you think that we're doing a good job or not that said i'm chris i'm gloria until Have next a great time week. yeah we did it oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 5.59. I have a minute to get home. My goal is to get you out of here before 6, so there you go. Five. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great week. Yep, you too. Yes. Bye. 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 Bye.